Denial is not just a river in Egypt. Self-defense, self-awareness, self-development. This is the Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore. Hello and welcome to the Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore. I am the aforementioned Phil Elmore, your host. The Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore is a production of philelmore.com. Let's see how many times I can say my name in the introduction. Okay, uh, in a previous episode entitled Knife Crime, I tackled the topic of knives being treated as the weapons of criminals and vilified in the UK especially, uh, especially in light of the Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau announcing that no one has the right to self-defense with a firearm. Um, Self-defense is effectively illegal in both the UK and in Canada. You are not allowed to carry anything that you are carrying with the explicit purpose of preparing for self-defense. You have to play this game where everything you carry has an ostensible utilitarian purpose, and if you just happen to use it for self-defense, why, maybe they'll accept that and maybe they won't. Um, These are countries that are extremely hostile to the concept of self-defense. And every time I mention that self-defense is essentially illegal in the UK and now in Canada, I get these people who are deeply in denial, who want to stick their fingers in their ears and go, la, 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 this is not happening. And I'm sorry to tell you, you're wrong. This is happening. The problem is real. The crime is real. And the reaction of your government is real. Now, I don't say this as kind of a Neener, 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 my country is better than yours because my country is not better than yours. We are simply farther behind on the totalitarian curve. As you go, so shall we eventually. And never has there been a better example than in the case of Jose Alba. Uh, I originally saw his age listed as being 50-something. This article lists his age as uh, over 60. Either way, a much younger man, half his age essentially, attacked him in his bodega even though Jose Alba tried his best to de-escalate the situation. There's a new article about this, ironically enough, in the Daily Mail. Uh, I don't want no trouble, he said. New footage shows how New York City bodega worker, who stabbed gangster to death in self-defense, tried to defuse argument over $3. Uh, And here are the bullet points in the way the mail tends to summarize articles. New video footage of the fatal stabbing in a Harlem bodega shows what took place in the minutes leading up to the July 1st incident. Jose Alba is accused of killing Austin Simon, an ex-con, who attacked him after his girlfriend could not afford a bag of chips. Video shows the tense interaction between Alba and a woman whose benefit card was declined while trying to buy chips for her daughter. Simon is seen storming into the store behind the counter and confronting Alba. Alba attempts to calm the angry customer, but a fight breaks out. That is false. A fight did not break out. Austin Simon physically attacked Jose Alba because he was angry that his girlfriend's EBT card was denied because they were over or at their limit. These were criminal scumbags leading criminal scumbag lives, and when criminal scumbags are denied anything for any reason, they get very, very angry. A fight, quote-unquote, did not break out, quote-unquote. Austin Simon assaulted, physically assaulted, Jose Alba because he was angry. Alba tried very hard to defuse the situation. Um, his, fortunately, his bail was lowered from a staggering quarter of a million dollars to $50,000 following a public outcry over the decision for this sky-high amount of bail. Um, that was simply the DA in New York City expressing his contempt for lawful self-defense, 
We know what happened. It's all on video. It's not like it's a mystery what took place. This man should not be on trial. He should never have been charged. As it is, he will end up on trial fighting for his life against an overzealous prosecutor. Uh, it brings to mind that scumbag Binger who was just set on sending Kyle Rittenhouse to prison for lawfully defending himself and didn't have any problem lying and deceiving in order to do it. Binger was caught several times in lies while trying to railroad Rittenhouse into prison for the rest of his life for no other reason than that Binger is a prosecutor and the prosecutor's job is not to find the truth. The prosecutor's job is to win. You should remember that. These are important lessons. If you ever end up defending yourself, you most likely will end up trial on trial for it. And these will be the circumstances you face. Um, that's if you live in, in the United States, where self-defense is still relatively, almost kind of, sort of, occasionally considered legal. If you live in the UK, if you live in Canada, you're screwed from the get-go. You'll probably end up going to prison if you use a weapon to defend yourself because your country hates you. Your country does not want you defending yourself. Your country would much rather you be hurt or killed. Your country prefers that you be the victim. That's a fact that those that's indisputable. All of this, though, makes great context for the ongoing discussion of People who live in denial when it comes to the topic of self-defense. People who just don't want to admit that the problem is real. Um, some person who likes to comment on the YouTube posts of these podcasts wanted to know where these statistics come from. Uh, and it's not lost on me that multiple people will make the same comment and then one or two of them will delete their comments because it's the same person posting from multiple accounts. I see you. I know what you're doing. You haven't fooled me. I'm aware of the fact that you're almost all the same person. Uh, that's fine. You can do that if you want, but uh, you know, stop with the, the pretending, the, the hand-wringing and the concern trolling where you pretend to want answers to your questions when really what you're doing is just trying to make some kind of point. And just cut to the chase, make your point, make whatever insulting statement you want to make, and then we can get to me answering you. Uh, because I have a thick enough skin, I don't mind being insulted occasionally. That doesn't mean that I'll continue to let you just crap up the atmosphere on you know any platform that I have. On the Thin Skin podcast where I posted, I had some people go, well, if you've got such a thick skin, you shouldn't ever ban anyone and everybody should be able to comment whatever they want. Um, no, uh, because just because I have a thick skin doesn't mean that I will tolerate being repeatedly disrespected. If you walked into my living room and took a dump on the floor, you would not be welcome in my living room. Uh, that's how I see people who beat dead horses and continue to make the same disingenuous queries in the comments section. I One of the reasons I post these podcasts to YouTube is because I do welcome discussion and I am trying to build the channel from, you know, we started just a couple weeks ago. But if you're just going to be dishonest, if you're just trying to push an agenda, don't expect me to respect you. And if you start your comments out with, oh, well, you'll probably delete this, but I wish you wouldn't. I'm going to delete it if you say that. From now on, if you start out by saying, you'll probably delete this, yes, you get your wish, wish granted. As you wish, as, as Wesley would say, uh, you got what you wanted. My point, though, is there were people commenting, or a person commenting, 
where, where are these statistics coming from? I assume he meant my reference to crime rates in the UK. I did not offer any statistics on the matter. However, I did say that the UK has a serious problem with knife crime, as they call it, and crimes committed with machetes. Now, those crimes happened in the United States, too. Notably, I think it was in Boston where they actually made machetes sort of illegal in Boston. I don't know the exact dimensions of that law, but I know that it's harder than it should be to buy a machete in Boston because, for one, it's an urban area where a call for a machete as an agricultural tool is low. And two, it's a city run by Democrats whose knee-jerk response to every problem is to find something and ban it. But three, uh, Boston does have immense problems with MS-13, a violent criminal gang that prefers machetes because of the message they sent. Still, the problem in the UK is a very serious one. How do I know? Where do these quote-unquote statistics come from? All you have to do is read the news. There are constant stabbings and attacks and problems with knives that are driving the calls for banning knives with sharp tips. Where do you think those knife surrender boxes come from? They weren't just erected because somebody sitting in an office somewhere said, let's target knives. It was in direct response to crime occurring with knives. Uh, there's that old joke with the weatherman, you got a window, open it. Well, you've got Google, open it up and look. These are public record. I'm not making them up. They are a matter of public record. They are happening in the news. They happen frequently. Matter of fact, just the other day I was on Facebook and uh, uh, an Instagram video. It's a horrible, horrible video. Um, somebody posted an Instagram video of a bunch of guys engaged in some kind of dispute. You get several guys on the left of the screen and several guys on the right of the screen. And they're doing that, what some people have called the monkey dance, which is a, the, the thing that primates do when they're trying to assert dominance over each other. Um, and they're, they're, you know, baring their teeth and snarling and behaving, uh, you know, in a way that you would associate with hierarchy dominance displays uh, among primates. And, one of the guys is, they're, they're, I can't really make out a lot of what's being said, but there's a lot of insulting because dude on the right has a knife. He has pulled this knife in response to the aggression of the dudes on the left. The dudes on the left are making fun of him for pulling a knife. Apparently, he's not man enough to face several people trying to, to beat him down without a knife, and he's got a knife. Well, one of the guys on the left, we'll call him the Alpha Thug. Alpha Thug keeps lunging forward to try and menace knife guy knife guy's not alone he's got people with him there's a beta thug a secondary guy who's also trying to menace knife guy well at some point alpha thug stops lunging forward as the folks on the right move out of the camera frame and whoever is recording this his camera pans back over to alpha thug who's now standing there holding his hand over his neck suddenly you see pools of red appear on the ground it's the nature of these videos, especially when shot at a distance, the blood appears as if by magic. And suddenly it appears in huge volumes. And that was the moment where I'm like, oh my God, this guy is going to die. And then he falls down and the clip ends there with him collapsed on the ground. And it's because he's been slashed in the neck and probably didn't even realize how bad it was in the first few moments of being slashed. I took a, a knife course once where the instructor said, when you're cutting someone in self-defense, they often don't even realize that you're cutting them. And he taught us to shout, stop, you're cut, stop, you're cut, to try and barrage them like you're talking to a toddler. You know, Bill Cosby, whose, <laughs> whose own career did not follow a very positive trajectory, used to do a bit about trying to talk to a toddler where you'd have to barrage them. Come here, 
come here, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here, in order to get them to understand that you were trying to get their attention. Well, people who are adrenalized, people who are engaged in physical altercations are the same way. So you would shout, stop, you're cut, stop, you're cut, while you're cutting them, so that hopefully, eventually, the idea that they are taking damage sort of seeps into their consciousness and they realize, I had better stop, I had better back off, I am taking serious damage. Uh, and now, there are places on the body where you immediately know, like, you go anywhere near the face or the eyes, people react immediately. But, you know, strikes on the body, they won't necessarily notice. And this guy took a slash to the neck and just fell over dead. It was horrifying. So anyway, in that thread where this video was posted, there was a whole bunch of other links posted to various stabbings and other knife incidents, all of which happened in the UK. It's real and it happens. I'm sorry if being confronted with the reality of the crime in your society somehow makes you uncomfortable. I'm sorry if you would rather pretend that it doesn't exist, but it's real. I didn't wake up today and go, who can I insult? Whose country can I, I attack? Who, whose citizens can I make feel bad about their nation by lying to them about what's happening in their country? I'm just reacting to the news. Self-defense, realistic self-defense, requires first and foremost an acknowledgement of reality. If you can't acknowledge reality, no, you will never successfully defend yourself. Because there are people who would rather substitute their wishful thinking because it makes them feel better. They would rather live in a dream world where, well, I don't feel unsafe, so I'm good. I have actually had this conversation more than once. I had a friend in college who, after college, when we would trade emails back and forth, started to become more and more politically aware and more and more left-wing in his politics, to the point where things I had always said and always believed started to offend him. Um, this friend, uh, his name was Zach, and I wonder sometimes what became of Zach. Zach was a genius. Zach was a boy genius in robotics, and uh, he, did, you know, he did some kind of senior project where he built a robot that could pedal a unicycle. Like, the guy was bright. He was also from Vermont and had led uh, a fairly nurtured and sheltered life. And for whatever reason, his politics leaned left, as you would expect them to. Uh, and Zach once told me that he didn't think anyone should be able to own a gun because he didn't think if he had a gun, he would be able to use it. And he certainly wouldn't want to use it on another person. So this is a classic case of projecting your weakness onto everybody else. Because he did not feel unsafe, he believed he was safe. He thought, well, if I don't feel like I'm in danger, then there is no danger. And as we all know, that's not how reality works. A brick flying at the back of your head will still give you a concussion or kill you when it strikes you, regardless of whether you were aware of the presence of the brick. Even if you're part of a brick-denying organization that says bricks aren't real, the brick will still kill you or knock you unconscious or give you a concussion. Um, that is how reality works. Reality is objective, not subjective. Our task as human beings is to apprehend reality with as much uh, accuracy as possible. We will make mistakes. We will not always be correct. That is where logic comes into play. Logic is the science, some would say the art of non-contradictory identification. Logic is built on the idea that you can't contradict yourself, that two facts cannot be directly opposed to each other. Uh, one of them cannot be a fact, if that's the case, if we're making statements about reality. It's raining or it's not raining. Well, one of those is true, one of those is false. Or there's some gradation in between where it's more complicated than that. Um, it doesn't mean logic is not necessarily simple, but logic is non-contradictory and unassailable when done correctly. That means that 
Reality is also logical. It has never been the case that you could just wish your way into a different reality. There's no such thing as my truth and your truth. There is the truth. One of us is closer to the objective facts of reality than the other. And where self-defense is concerned, it is a fact that weapons make individuals better able to defend themselves. Statistically, this is borne out by just immense amounts of research done by people like uh, Gary Kleck and John Lott's organization and statistics that are posted in uh, uh, America's First Freedom, which is the house publication of the NRA every single month. Uh, there are countless anecdotes of people defending themselves with firearms, but statistically, firearms in legal, lawful hands are used to defend more than they are not. People who own guns lawfully are the demographic least likely to commit crime. All of these statistics come from the FBI and from John Lott and from Gary Kleck. They are a matter of public record. You can find them if you choose to look them up. There are also volumes and volumes of statistics put out by gun control organizations and anti-weapon organizations that all have one thing in common. They are all lying. And by that I mean statistics are not impenetrable. Some people would like to say, well, there's lies, damn lies, and statistics. And by that, they, they just dismiss all statistics everywhere. We can't know reality. Since the statistics can be manipulated, then anyone can cite anything and everything means nothing. Well, no, that's not how statistics work. Um, I was very fond when I, when I took statistics in college. I really warmed up to the subject. The fact is that statistics are knowable. We can examine the sample size. We can examine the methodology of the study. We can examine whether the conclusions uh, drawn from the statistical analysis are really supportable or not. Um, there's plenty of ways that people lie with statistics. One big way is to publish a study, reference the data, and then cite a conclusion that is not supported by the data. That happens a lot. Another way is to confuse things like correlation and causation as fundamental stuff. Um, you know, for instance, where there are churches, there is more crime. That is a correlation. It is not causation. The, the reason there is more crime where there are more churches is because there are more churches where there is more population. The greater the population, the greater the crime. That's just how it works. Uh, when we look at things like per capita, that's one way of leveling statistics so we can get you know, a more accurate perception for comparison's sake. Um, these are all simple concepts. They're basic. They're fundamental. They're logical. But there are people living in denial, many people who even call themselves martial artists, who hate weapons, who are afraid of weapons, who project their weakness, like my friend Zach, my former friend Zach, onto other people and believe that because they are weak, everyone else is weak. Um, one great example are the people that whenever a mass shooting happens, will start posting videos of themselves destroying their own firearms or turning their guns into the cops as if they believe that they simply cannot be trusted with these horrible, horrible weapons and therefore they should be disarmed. Well, I'm all for stupid people disarming themselves. If you truly believe there's no difference between you and a lunatic mass murderer, then yes, I fully support you being unarmed. Disarm yourself all day long. Please do. Um, this is a lot like people saying, I don't ever want to become a rapist, so I'll go out and get castrated today. You are free to do that, and if you actually believe that that potential lurks within you, I strongly support you not breeding. Be my guest. But if we want to actually apprehend reality with a certain degree of accuracy, we must acknowledge that weapons are tools. They are force multipliers. They are levers. They are a means of applying more result. Well, they're a means of getting more result by applying less force. If I have a knife, if I have a firearm, 
The gap between the two is large, but both are still very powerful weapons. Both enable me to defend myself against a much larger or stronger opponent or against a more numerous opponent. If there's more than one of him, I'm in grave danger. And you might say, well, everybody's unarmed. Well, no, that's not how this works. If you, an unarmed person, are facing many unarmed people, their attacking you is potentially lethal force. I mean, one person attacking you is potentially lethal force. There have been cases where people died from being punched a single time. Uh, there are very famous cases where people died from being punched a single time. But uh, if, if you are facing a numerically superior force and they mean you physical harm, then you are, in many cases, justified in using a force multiplier because the force being applied against you is so out of proportion. Um, our law recognizes a concept called parity of force, which basically means you are allowed to use that amount of force that is commensurate to the attack being applied against you. It's not as simple as it might sound because you have to be able to evaluate the force being used against you. If a toddler comes up and punches you in the thigh and says, I'm going to beat you to death, you are not in danger. You would not be justified in using force to defend yourself from this weird, murderous toddler. If a man who is a foot taller than you and 100 pounds heavier than you comes up to you, punches you in the thigh and says, I'm going to beat you to death, you are now in imminent and uh, very reasonable fear of grave bodily harm or death. You would be justified to use preemptive force to stop that person from killing you as they have just indicated a willingness uh, and an imminent desire to do so. I'm not saying that you can always respond to verbal threats that way. If you can extricate yourself, then, then you should. For example, the, the giant man punches you and says, I'm going to beat you to death, but the exit's right over there and you can leave? You should. And actually, that the video I referenced is a great example. When a guy pulls a knife to stop a gang of people from assaulting him, what he's telling you is, I am willing to use lethal force. If you then continue chasing him and dancing into range while taunting him and trying to punch him, you're going to get cut, and in the case of this fellow, you may die. I don't know if that guy died, but it sure looked bad. When a guy pulls a knife and leaves, let him. That's, that's really the lesson of that video. Just let him go. And if you can avoid any altercation, of course you do. The first rule of self-defense is to avoid it. Any reasonable person avoids a fight. Uh, honestly, you would avoid a fight simply because you know there are legal ramifications for winning. You defend yourself and you do it too well. You're too effective at it in the minds of some overzealous prosecutor. And he's going to be on, you know, just like that Binger idiot. He's going to be in front of the jury going, he wanted to kill that guy. He was just aching for the chance to kill that guy. And then he prepared to kill that guy. And then he found his victim. And that's how it's going to go. That's exactly how it's going to go. So every reasonable person, every person who understands uh, self-defense or wants to understand self-defense is responsible for understanding the legal environment in which self-defense occurs. There are a lot of legal requirements. I had the benefit of participating in the creation of a self-defense course uh, that involved legal issues. I've done a lot of other research and, and done a lot of other studying on the topics. I used to know what the laws were in my state. Uh, I've recently become aware that my knowledge of which weapons are not legal has become a little dated, like a couple of weapons that I took for granted as being illegal may or may not have become re-legal. <laughs> there's some talk that there's case law making nunchucks not uh, forbidden, 
and uh, maybe even stun guns are not necessarily illegal. I'm a little unclear on that, and I'm not sure how to verify it. Um, I also haven't, I don't own uh, either, so I don't care, but um, it would be interesting to know <laughs> know the answer, especially where the stun guns are concerned. So, uh, before I get off track, though, when we learn the legal environment in which self-defense occurs and we understand the legal requirements on us to use potentially lethal force because when you use a gun or a knife uh, you are using potentially lethal force you must be justified I mean, your life your own life or the life of someone else must be in danger you must be in grave and imminent threat of serious bodily harm or death before you use that type of force when you do use that type of force understand that you will be charged you will most likely end up defending your actions in court like this poor guy in New York City. I'm hopeful that he will eventually get off, but it's not going to be a fun journey for him to get there. His life is forever changed because uh, he you know, used a knife to defend himself. He protected himself and took another life in so doing. Morally, I believe he's completely justified. Legally, our court system is going to put him through hell. In the UK, meanwhile, it would be even worse. Uh, it is even worse if you use any weapon to defend yourself. And the attitude towards weapons is even worse. And he, this is sort of my point and brings me back to the title of this episode, um, Denial Not Just Being a River in Egypt. Uh, there are a great many people who claim to understand martial arts or self-defense, who hate weapons, who fear weapons, who, who think that even have the attitude that you're somehow less of a man if you rely on weapons. Um, I've seen that attitude expressed by people like, what's his name, something or other, Thornton, the guy from Straight Blast Jim, I think it is. I may be wrong, but I seem to recall him spending an awful lot of time going on and on and on about that sort of thing. Carrying a weapon, carrying a force multiplier, carrying any self-defense tool is the acknowledgement that this isn't about your ego. It isn't about winning a duel. It isn't about you being the toughest and the strongest and the fastest with the mostest. It is understanding that you will encounter people who are more dangerous, more violent, stronger, faster than you, and that you will need a lever in order to make the fight as unfair as possible in your advantage because he does not have the right to assault you. He does not have the right to rob you. He does not have the right to rape you. He does not have the right to beat you possibly to death. I know this is hard for some of you to understand because you've been trained in this victim mentality and you live in a culture that is saturated with victim mentality. But the fact is, you have a right, a God-given right, usually supported by our legal system, to defend yourself as long as you don't go over the line when you do defend yourself. And that can be a very difficult line to perceive, especially in the moment. Um, in the video, the bodega guy his knife goes straight for that dude's neck. Like, it was straight for a, a move that was likely to be a kill shot. That was the target that was open. I don't know if he had any kind of training in using a knife for self-defense, but, you know, it certainly ended the fight immediately. But, man. And, and in the video I referenced on Instagram, it was a slash to the neck. Immediately. Probably went right through the, the carotid artery on that side. Um, and, bam, you are in... You're probably going to die if that happens. Your target probably will bleed out. Um, it is a powerful thing, taking a life, and I can't believe that anybody takes a life and isn't forever changed by that fact. But if you also believe that no one has the right to uh, victimize you and that if your life is in danger, you have the right to defend that life with potentially lethal force, then you're acknowledging that some things are worth going through that. Protecting any member of your loved ones from being killed would be one of those things. You will have to make the decision if your own life is worth protecting with potentially lethal force. But the fact is that 
if you just deny that these things are real, if you say the crime's not happening, you stick your fingers in your ears, la 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 la, this is not happening, that's just denial. That's a that's a denunciation of reality. You are not accepting the reality of the situation before you. Any denial of reality immediately hamstrings you in terms of self-defense. You can say, well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to have that on my conscience. And that's your call. Nobody's saying that you're less of a person for being willing to sacrifice yourself because you don't want that on your conscience. Again, it's your, your call to make, your decision to make. But do not claim to be a martial artist if you also fear and hate weapons. If you're for gun control, if you're for you know, putting your knife in the knife surrender bin, you're not one. You've left the martial out of the martial art that you're doing. Martial arts, first and foremost, should be functional for self-defense or they're not martial at all. Now, I'm not saying you have to be a martial artist. You can be some other kind of guy, some other kind of person, some other kind of gal. But don't claim to be what you're not. And if you hate and fear weapons, if you hate and fear the tools of lawful self-defense, then you are living in denial. And that is no good place to be. All right, I have been Phil Elmore. This has been the Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore. Until next time, pretend I said something cool here. This has been the Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore. Visit us online at linktree slash Elmore.